So let me ask you, do you move well, eat well, and sleep well? Do you feel that modern medicine is looking out for your best interest? Do you know how to take care of your body so you can stay pain-free and in the activities you love? Do you know what options you have? If not, that's a problem, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Trevor Fulter, and welcome to the Green Bay Health Project Podcast. Green Bay Health Project podcast is sponsored by Movement Performance and Rehabilitation, where we help the athletes and active adults move better, perform better, stay pain-free, and in the sports and activities that they love. We do this by focusing on their movements and optimizing their mobility, stability, and strength. Your body is your greatest tool, and when you move better, you feel better, and you thrive. So head to movementgb.com, that's mvmtgb.com, to learn how we can help you stay active and pain-free for life. Yo, what's going on, everyone? It's Trevor with the Green Bay Health Project Podcast, and today we are joined by Lauren Cudworth, absolute badass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to this convo. She's got um, a pretty dope story, powerful story, that I, uh, I'm super pumped that she was willing to come on and talk about it. So, Lauren, First and foremost, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, this is super cool. I know. I'm, I'm excited for this. And uh, I'm going to just let you kick this off. Um, okay. Cool. All just right. Just go into it. Well, I am Lauren Cudworth. Um, I'm 24 years old. I'm not actually from Green Bay. I'm from a small town called Plymouth. Um, Plymouth is about one and a half hours down south. I moved here about two years ago. Um, I work at Lux Life Chiropractic, if some of you are listening to this and maybe your patients here. Um, I work here full-time, um, so I'm a chiropractic advocate by day, and by night I am a full-time powerlifter. Full-time badass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am currently coached by USA Powerlifting's National Collegiate Head Coach and Sub-Junior and Junior World Powerlifting Coach, Zach Cooper. I've been working with Zach for three years, and working with him has been like one of the best decisions I've ever made for my serious competitive career as a powerlifter. Um, I've been lifting for mm, probably since my senior year of high school, so 2016. Nice. Um, I wasn't super serious about it in the beginning, but then, I don't know, I realized like maybe I like have some serious potential here and maybe I could go really, really far with it. Um, so there is a backstory, but before that, before the backstory, um, I struggled really, really hard and heavy with an eating disorder my whole life. Started when I was very young, um, like I would say early middle school, sixth grade is the start of middle school where I'm mm. from. And it was just, it was just one comment. Somebody, somebody called me fat and it just, it stuck with me. And I was, I, what are you in sixth grade? You're like 12, 11 or 12. Yeah, 11, 12. And for some reason Jeez. it just, it just stuck with me. And some people I feel like have a personality like that where they just can't let something go. And I did not let that go. And I took it and I ran with it. And it started off super innocently. Like, I just want to be more active as a kid. I want to make healthier choices. I want to work out. I want to, you know, just make different choices. And I was young. My parents were like, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you don't want to have pizza every night. You don't want to have spaghetti and like ice cream after cool and my dad who was a bodybuilder back in his day he was like all for it he loved it Mm -hmm. but i'm a very um hyper focused intense 
obsessive kind of person. Like when I, when I want something, when I strive for something, ever since I was young, I will do whatever it takes to get there and I won't stop. I'm very stubborn. So I started to, I started to see my body change and like, I got, it's like my high off of it. Like everybody, everybody looks for something different for their coping mechanism, right? Like some people just resort to a really unhealthy option. And for me, it was an eating disorder. Some people it's drugs, alcohol, extreme exercising. Um, for, for me, it was just food. That was my outlet. And it wasn't necessarily, food was never the problem. It was self-acceptance and self-love. Like that was the root of my problem. And that's just how I coped with it. Food was the one thing that I could control. I could control everything going into my body and I could control all of my output. And that just put me on cloud nine. So I just kept on, kept on going. My body was changing. I was losing weight. Like I was, and and first off, I was 11 years old. Right. Not have been, my body hasn't even started to develop and, Mm -hmm. you know, some girls, their hormones are starting to form at that age and I really screwed it all up. Um, so a couple of years went by and I was still doing the same thing. I was exercising to an extreme. I was not eating very much. And I got down to a very, very low body weight for somebody who was 13 years old. Um, I got my menstrual cycle for the first time being 13. I got it once and I never got it again. So I'm 24 now. And I just to like, I mean, this is how extreme it was. Mm -hmm. I did not get my period back until the beginning of last year. So I went 10 years without a period. And as an athlete and as a woman, that's extremely detrimental to my health. And I, and I knew that like, but I, again, it was something that was just in the back of my disordered mind that like, I almost got high off of it. Like, oh, I'm at such a low body fat percentage that I'm not getting a period. That's cool. It was like almost like my gauge of Mm. I'm thin enough yet or I'm not thin enough yet. So um, back to being 13, a couple years kept going by. And my parents, like a lot of people ask me, like, where were your parents during all this? They were there. But the thing about anything, if you're struggling, is if you do not want to be helped, like you're not going to take any help. Mm -hmm. You cannot help a person who doesn't want to be helped. And that was just like where their hands were tied. Yeah, I was a minor. They could have put me in treatment centers, they could have done this or that, but like, I was so stubborn, so bullheaded, like, that was that, I was leading a double life of a lot of secrets, a lot of lies, I got very good at lying, um, just because you're, you're constantly hiding your double life, and my eating disorder was my double life, um, so I kept spiraling downward, 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 and fast forward to, um, freshman year, my high school of 2012, and the girl that everybody saw in spring when we were done with school and the girl that returned in the fall was not the same person. In that summer, I lost about 60 pounds. 60? 60. Six zero. Oh. Um, I did not have access to a scale at this point. My mom took it away from me because I was weighing myself, God, probably... 25, 30 times a day. Every time I went to the bathroom, I'd weigh myself. Um, My body was completely shutting down at this point. Mm -hmm. I had barely any hair. I wore hats every day to school because every time I'd brush it, just clumps of hair would come out. Um, I was very pale, very cold all the time. And actually, this is something that 
everybody's body would do if your body got to such a low point. There's a, there's a scientific name for them. I don't know what it is, but it your body develops like this layer of dark hair all over your body. And it is, I mean, it is heavy and it is dark. And that is what happens when your body is at its absolute lowest. It's at survival point. It's a survival mechanism. It's trying to keep your body warm. And it was embarrassing, you know, as a 15 year old, like I had this dark hair all over my body. So on top of being super cold and embarrassed of all this hair, I'd wear layers and layers and layers. Um, I was eating no more than 50 calories a day. Um, I would not brush my teeth because I thought that the food companies were putting calories in toothpaste and they weren't telling me like all of these really, really unrealistic thoughts that I like look back on now. And I'm like, my God, I like, I wholeheartedly believed all these things to my core, not eating after a certain time during the day certain foods that would genuinely scare me to eat like i thought that if i would eat like a tablespoon of peanut butter like because it was such a high fat food it would instantly convert to fat like i just i was so deathly afraid of gaining weight that if i was given the choice i probably would have died versus gaining weight like that's how scared i was to gain weight and that's why i kept going and going and going it was because i was never fulfilled like and that's the thing with eating disorders like no matter how much weight you lose, calories you burn, anything like that that feeds your high, it'll never be enough because you're not fixing the root issue. And it was something that I failed to see for so long. And I wish I would have because it probably would have saved me many, many years of struggling. But we well, were 11 years old. I mean, I how do you even 11. like comprehend exactly like, like that? Your, my brain wasn't even fully developed, you know, mm-hmm. and then I, I pretty much stopped it from developing to its fullest. Um, so I, I carried that trauma with me for however many years it was until freshman year of high school. And I remember like there, there was a rock bottom and it was November. Um, I had, a, I, I believe in like energy and dreams and oh, for sure. all things like that. Mm-hmm. And it was November 8th and I had a dream and I was watching it from third person and it was me. And I was at my own funeral and I was watching it from above and I looked down at myself and I looked like exactly the same that I did in November. Like it was my reflection. And it was almost like I had a disconnect from myself and my eating disorder. And I was able to see like, it was like a slap in the face. Like that is what I look like right now. And I'm never going to, I need to wake up. I need to do something, you know, it's never going to, it's never going to change. And another health complication that I was having was I was losing my hearing in my ears and it was like this ringing and one ear was like, I couldn't hear out of one ear and my left ear was ringing really, really loud. And it was just, it's a health complication. My body was shutting down. Mm -hmm. Um, So the next morning when I woke up, I went and I told my mom that, and she's like, I mean, she took it as like, oh good, we're finally going to go in. But I was just like, I only want my ear looked at. I don't want anything else than that because I knew that doctors meant losing my control. Mm-hmm. I knew that, like, in the back of my mind, I was very aware of my body, my health condition. Um, I knew that I was struggling very, very bad. But I, I was in that back and forth of, like, well, I want to get better. I was 
so freaking hungry. I mean, I was, I was, I've been starving for 10 years. I've been starving. Like that hunger is so deep. And I, I wanted to get better so bad, but then on the other part of it, I was so scared to let go of my control. Again, given that choice, I would have rather died than have to fight through that. And that's why I was as deep as I was is because I, I was sick of fighting. You know, I, most days I woke up and I, I was sad that I woke up because I did not want to wake up and have to fight another day because it was so, it was hell. Every day my life was a, it was a revolving door. I did the same thing every day. I'd work out six to eight times a day. I would eat the same foods, do the same thing. And routine is good in some aspects, but taken to a, an extreme, extreme extreme is not. Um, so anyways, my mom took me to the doctor that day. And I mean, doctor, she's a doctor. She looked at me and she's like, this girl's got, she's, her hearing loss is the least of her problems. Heart rate, my vitals, heart rate was in the low 30s. Um, My blood pressure was extremely low. Everything was like dangerously low. And this, we were just at like a little local clinic in Plymouth, you know, she's like, obviously there's nothing we can do for her here. Either she goes somewhere else and gets help today or she will be dead tomorrow. hundred percent. Like if I would not have gone in that day, I'd not be, I would not be here on this podcast right now. So I have extreme gratitude for that doctor. And I mean, that dream, like if I wouldn't have had that dream, I, I probably would have, I wouldn't be here, you know? So, um, she called the children's hospital and I was sent there on emergency admission. So I was there, I mean, I was there an hour later and I, I didn't really know how to feel or what to think. Like part of me, like the true me was like, oh my God, finally, you know, like I have been, I just, just want to, I just want to rest. I just, I'm tired. I'm so tired. And that was like. I knew when I, I thought when I went there, it was going to be, it was it, it was over, it was done. Because I didn't fully understand what an eating disorder is now. And it's not until you're fully engulfed in recovery that you understand, you know. I thought I would go there and it would be over, but really that was, that was just the beginning. This was, it was the really hard part, but recovering has been even harder. So when I got there, um, I was in the intensive unit. I was on complete bed rest. I had a feeding tube. I yanked that sucker out about six months <laughs> because, well, wow. first of all, they suck. Yeah. <laughs> not fun. But it was the idea of constant calories going into my body. Mm-hmm. I mean, constant, 24 hours. And I couldn't, couldn't handle that. But eventually I was just like, I'm not, there's no use in fighting it. You know, it's. It's for my own good. So I was there for, um, God, I don't even remember, two or three weeks until I was medically stable enough to be transported to an inpatient treatment center. You were 15, 16? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. 15, 14 or 15. Mm. Um, So when I was medically stable enough to go to a a treatment center, I moved there and it was um, beginning of December, I would say. And I wasn't there very long. I was only there about nine days because insurance would not cover something like that. Um, and honestly, like, I didn't get anything out of that. I, again, I was in the in-between of wanting to be helped and just 
not wanting to be helped. So I wasn't like fully in it. Like mm. recovery is hard fucking work. Mm-hmm. It is a, it is full time. It is takes everything you have, no matter what kind of mental health struggle you have. Like if you're in treatment for that, like that needs to be your main focus. And it wasn't all I wanted to do was get out of there. I wanted to go home. I was homesick. I missed my family. I missed, I just wanted to go home, you know? So I basically did what I had to do to get out of there. I gained enough weight for them to release me and when I when I went home, it was kind of like I was going home with a loaded gun. Like I had all my control back. I had I had I could you know I could go right back to where I was, and I probably would have I probably would have. But somebody told me one day, and it stuck with me. If I could put all this obsessive energy into losing weight and dieting and exercising. What happens if I do the opposite? What if I put all that energy that I put into that into the opposite? Look, you know, look how far that could take me. Because look mm-hmm. how far the other the other end of it took me. You know, it took me to my grave. So what happens if I turned it around and did something totally opposite with it? And that, like, and that's like that's like my thing with anything in life. Like somebody can explain something to me like twenty five times, but until I get it, like in my own language, until it clicks with me then it's useless. And that just clicked with me. And that was the hardest thing in recovery was deciphering what was reality and what wasn't like, what was like, what was logical and what was not because everything sounded like my own thoughts. So it was just the unhealthiest action sounded legit because it was like, like my own conscious thought, but it wasn't. And that was like, that's like the hardest thing I've ever, I've had to learn is like what's real and what's not. So learning to do the opposite of what my mind tells me when it's not logical was the key. Mm-hmm. That is something that's helped me more than anything. And I get a lot of people who ask me, like other girls who are struggling, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And it's like, I don't like, I don't know how to answer that because you have to learn to decipher that on your own. You can, you can get all the outside help resources. I can talk you through it, but until you learn in your own mind, like what's real and what's not, then that's the hardest part of the journey because every, every struggle with an eating disorder starts and ends differently. My triggers are different than your triggers, you know, like everybody's different and it's just, there's things that can help you along the way. And there has been a lot of things that helped me along the way. And powerlifting has been that thing. I still wanted to exercise. I still wanted to have some form of control and I will honestly admit like in the beginning powerlifting was a way for me to like still control it to an extreme the weight class thing that was really hard for me at first because I wanted to stick to like this really low weight class because I was still obsessed with seeing my body move in a certain way look in a certain way seeing my vascularity seeing like the shreds and all of those things that are like glamorized in society today like I was hindering so much of my growth and my strength because I wanted to look a certain aesthetic because I saw these girls on Instagram and Facebook who like were super strong, but they like were shredded and, you know, they had these, a certain look to them. So I thought that I had to look like that in order to grow in powerlifting. And so in a way for a while, it was unhealthy for me, but I was good at it and I liked it. And it fulfilled me, but I, 
in order for me to really grow as I have as a power lifter, I had to, I had to really let go of everything. And since I've let go of everything and I've just let my body do its thing, I've gone from the 47 kilo class when I first started in 2016 to now I'm an 82 kilo. Like it's pretty much doubled and I feel the best I've ever felt. I'm not getting injured all the time. I have a menstrual cycle. Everything is clicking and moving the way it's supposed to. And I think my body is finally starting to like, okay, like, She's feeding us consistently. She's sleeping. She's taking care of herself. Like, we're, we're going to trust her again, you know? So I, it's really, really good to feel like that. But powerlifting has, powerlifting has saved my life. It's taught me how to eat. It's taught me how to move. If I want to do the things I want to do in the sport, I have to take care of myself. And it's that on the days that I, I'm so tired of fight, like, I still, I still fight, you know, like, an eating disorder is something that I will battle the rest of my life. I have to make a conscious decision every day to not overdo it here or underdo it here. Or, you know, I just, I'm very much so past that, but all it takes, just like in the beginning, it takes one comment or one thing and that can just trigger me and send me backwards. And there are days where I, I, I am really tired of fighting, you know, and some days are easier than others, but powerlifting has saved me hundred percent. Um, so in those six years, seven years that I've been powerlifting, um, I've been to nationals three times. Um, last year I placed first and I was the junior national champ. Hell yeah. Powerlifting. And that was like, that was truly like, that was the best moment of my life. I thought that in 2012, when I stepped on the scale at the doctor's office and it said 89 pounds, that was like my podium. Like that was, I thought that was the best day of my life. It could have been the last day of my life. And I stepped on that scale and I saw double digits and I thought that was the best day of my life. Best day of my life was April 10th, 2021. When I, I, I didn't step on a scale. I stepped on a podium and that was like everything that I've ever wanted to do in my life. And I, I'm hyper-focused. I'm obsessive. I had a goal and Everything I went through, it was so much more bittersweet when I stepped on that podium. Like, I would never go through it again, you know? I would never wish it upon anybody else, but, like, going through all that and achieving what I have, like, I hate, like, tooting my own horn, but it was, like... Toot it, man. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. So, yeah, so national champ last year, held 14 state records, three-time state champ. Um, I was the recipient of the 2018 USA Powerlifting Most Inspirational Athlete Award, which was pretty cool. Um, so I go around to high schools and um, recently colleges, and I get up and I share my story and I spread awareness on mental health and eating disorders because I wish that when I was in high school, I wish that I would have heard somebody Mm-hmm. talk about mental health and eating disorders as seriously deeply and rawly as I do I mean I fully disclose before I go to any of these any of these places like if somebody's not comfortable it's it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation right. it's not a powerpoint it's not statistics because that doesn't stick with these kids mm-hmm. they're going to forget it when they leave the door but I have people who I've given presentations four or five years ago and I've been here in green Bay and 
this was actually just a couple weeks ago, I work at a coffee shop in the early morning. And this girl came in and she got a coffee and she's like, are you Lauren Cudworth? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, you came in and you talked to my freshman high school health class in 2018 and I never forgot it. And I'm like, that is, that's it. That's all I needed. Like, if I can help one person, one that one person didn't forget. Like that was, she'll remember that. What if she tells her kids that? Like it just gets passed down and that's all I've ever, it's all I've ever wanted to do, you know? Um, so that was, that was the most inspirational athlete award. Um, and then actually next weekend, like the most exciting thing of my <laughs> life. Um, I don't know if there's listeners on here who are probably familiar I'm with sure. it. Yeah. Arnold Sports Festival is happening next weekend. And I got an invitation about eight weeks ago to compete on the pro American stage next Saturday. So I've been working my ass off. Like, so dope. It's, it's going to be, <laughs> I've put all my energy into this. Like, I'm training 30 hours a week. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm so hype about this meet. And I, that's what brings me through like all of these meets is like my hype and my intensity. And it, it's my new coping mechanism. You know, there's going to probably be a day. I mean, maybe not there's, there's masters lifters, but (laughs) I might not be doing this the rest of my life, but until then, like I'm going to live it up to my fullest. And my mom's always like, you know, Cause there's been times in my powerlifting career, there's been a lot of times where I've wanted to throw in the towel. I've had injuries. I've been so discouraged and it's my coping mechanism now, but like down the road, I will probably have to find a different coping mechanism, you know, like, and that, I think that scares my mom a little bit because this has been the one thing that saved me, you know, and what happens when powerlifting isn't there anymore. But I kind of proved myself when I had a hip surgery back in 2019, like I didn't have powerlifting as my coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. What was I going to do? You know, I, I couldn't lift. I didn't lift for months. I had a nagging pain, like all of 2018 and it was in my right hip. Um, you probably see right hip pain a lot, pinching, snapping Mm -hmm. hips, hip syndrome, um, impingement, and I had it for a really long time. And me being that excessive person that I am, didn't want to listen to my body, didn't want to stop. Um, that's like my biggest piece of advice ever is if your body's telling you something, like it's telling you something, listen to it. Right. It's not just like in pain because it just feels like it, like something's not right. And I wish I would have listened to my body sooner because I think if I would have listened to my body sooner, I probably wouldn't have torn my labrum. And Finally, like after, oh my God, I've spent thousands of dollars on any recovery technique that there is. And when you're so far gone in a labrum tear, like there's just no, sometimes you just, you can't fix it on your own. You know, it was so far gone. It was like from the nine to four o'clock position tear. It was huge. It was a good size tear and I ignored it for so long, you know, so it just wasn't getting better. And I'm like, all right. This is, I feel like I'm going into this already knowing the verdict, but I'm going to go get an MRI. So I did, and they told me it was torn and I was going to have to have surgery. And of course, like I sought out every other option before I went to physical therapy. I did massage, I did chiro, everything in any attempt in order to avoid surgery, because I knew that avoiding surgery was going to knock me out for a while. And 
it it just didn't didn't do it i was i wasn't having fun with lifting anymore because i was in pain all the time and i would still make myself do it because there was still a little disordered part of me that had to get in my workouts you know um so in january 2019 <clears throat> i went to did a state state championship meet a week before I won. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then um I went and had surgery a week later. And that was the hardest thing ever. Like it was a whole different test of recovery. And I think God made me do that for a reason. Like, okay, you found who you are with a barbell, but like what if I take that away? You know, it was a it was a test for sure. He was testing me. So I I realized that a couple of months off. It's not going to kill me. Oh, the sun still rises every day. You know, life goes on. And it wasn't like the end of it. Like, honestly, I'm so glad that I had hip surgery because I probably wouldn't be doing half of the things that I'm doing now without it. Like, I, you know, if I kept going, I could have had osteoporosis. I could have, you know, I could have developed some really serious things if I would have ignored that longer. Um, but I told my surgeon, like, right from the get-go, nationals is in october it's january i want to be good to go for nationals in october and he's like you know i i we can do that you're gonna to have to be extremely um deliberate about everything and i'm like no, no problem little name yeah that's fine <laughs> right so um he had surgery went home that day like they made it kind of sound like oh it's outpatient you get to go home that day mm -hmm. you know six hours later like yeah i went home but like it was it was hard it was, um, it made me realize that I take my body for granted and we all do like the simplest things. Like there was no more like going to the bathroom by myself, um, walker, <laughs> wheelchair, like, I mean, my house is not handicap accessible. So I had, <laughs> I needed like all the help that I could get. Like, and that was really like hard for me because I like to do everything myself. <laughs> I like that sense of accomplishment and I had to let that go for a couple of months, but, um, physical therapy, wish I would have found you guys sooner because you were closer for me, but I went, <laughs> here we are. I know here we are. I, uh, um, first couple of weeks of physical therapy after hip surgery, I was just going to like a regular like clinic, like Aurora mm -hmm. or whatever it was. And they're, they're great, but like, not for somebody who wants to get back into full body right. barbell movements. Like I needed somebody, to, I was starting from scratch. I had mm -hmm. need somebody to like teach me how to properly squat, how to properly brace my core, all those little things that I was not taught in the beginning definitely led up to the tearing of my labrum. Mm -hmm. One of it, part of it was um, probably just like my anatomy one leg was a little bit longer than the other, but me squatting with improper form, not bracing my core, squatting way too much, doing way too much was just a perfect recipe for a labrum tear. Um, so I had to have somebody there in person, not online, to teach me in person because it's it's one thing to like have somebody just like give you direction online, but like to actually do it. I mean, I guess it depends on how you learn best, but for me, it's in person. It's feeling it correctly. And knowing that's how I have to feel it every single time in order for it to like be right and make progress. And that's why my progress as a powerlifter kind of went for a while because I wasn't moving correctly. So I wasn't able to make gains and put pounds on my total is because I was just not moving right. So I found a physical therapy place that was almost 
an hour and a half away. It was, um, what were they called again? Uh, Team Rehab. Okay. And they were down, um, down near Milwaukee. So I did that drive every day. Wow. And I went to therapy every day for months and months and months. And I told them, that's like, you know, what are your goals for therapy? And it was to compete at Raw National in October. <laughs> yeah. And they got me there. I, it was really hard and it was hard work and consistency, but I thrive off that. So it was like, mm-hmm. it was like my second nature. I'm really good at that kind of stuff. Um, so I did, I went to nationals in October, placed ninth and I had a nine for nine meet. I had a perfect meet and I haven't had problems with my hip since, but awesome. that was a, it was a true test of true test of my faith because there was, you know, a, was probably it was probably pushing it a little bit early, like nine months mm-hmm. out of a hip surgery, and I'm doing a full blown like powerlifting <laughs> knee prep. Like that was a little risky, and I definitely probably wouldn't recommend if there are any listeners right now, like in the same boat. Like I do not recommend. <laughs> I'm not a good example, but I did the damn things. So, right. so yeah, that's, that's my story. I had goosebumps so many different times while you were talking about that. That's uh-huh. that's. Amazing. Um, you know, one question I, I had as you were talking, like, obviously you said you hit that rock bottom, you were in children's, and then you kind of flipped things. Like, that's when you started getting powerlifting. What was that, like, transition like? I mean, was it, what were some of those struggles? Because I can't imagine, like, you woke up one day, and, like, the next day it was just like, I'm getting after this. Right, yeah. It was slow efforts. Um, a lot of repetitiveness, like my mom would always, I feel like shout out to my mom because like (laughs) she has put up with so much of my crap over the years, like having an eating disorder when like we thrive off of reassurance, like she would have to reassure me all the time. It's fine. You're not going to get gain weight. You're not going to get fat. Lauren, you're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Like my slate got wiped clean every single night. She'd have to tell me the same shit every single day. And that's what it took is doing the same thing every single day. And me seeing like, okay, like a little bit more today. I'll eat a little bit more today. And I would do that for a couple of weeks and I'd feel it was very slow. Mm-hmm. I would eat a little bit more and then a little bit more. And I would do it really, really slowly. And it was almost, it was like, proving to myself like okay like you aren't gaining weight like it's not like you're gonna have a peanut butter sandwich today and like you're gonna gain weight off of it immediately it was erasing all these irrational thoughts that I had ingrained in myself for so long like learning to eat again has been very hard sure um I mean it's something that most people don't even give second thought to like Mm -hmm. here at the office like I see like the kids who just they just go and grab a snack because they're hungry I'm like wow, like something so simple has taken me so many years to relearn. Like I don't, and I will be super honest and say like, I still struggle with intuitive eating today. I don't, I don't intuitively eat. Like I have hunger cues now for a long time. I didn't because I ignored them for so many years, but I still, and that's part of like being where I am as a competitive athlete too. Like I can't just like like what let my weight go and just eat whatever I want and like consciously I can't do that like mm-hmm. I'll just never be able to like wake up in one day and be like I mean maybe maybe you know like what sounds good to me today like what sounds good for breakfast like no it's like 
I still look at everything as a number, um, mm. macros, like that's still like disclosure. Like that's like still a disordered part of me that like, I'm not ready to let go of yet. Like it's a way of me hanging on my control a little bit, but it, I'm healthy and I'm okay with that. Like if I have to count macros the rest of my life in order to not be where I was, then I'm okay with that. I'm not using it as a way to kill myself anymore. It's a way to keep myself afloat. Um, but that's yeah, that's a good point. That's a big. Um, I think that's important to hear because you're doing it for a different reason as opposed to what you right. would probably right. or what some people use it for. Like, right? Hey, I'm barely eating instead of like, hey, I got to fuel my body. Yeah, exactly. And that's learning that food is my friend mm -hmm. and is not the enemy has been really hard but yeah. but i would say that was been that was it it was just slowly transitioning like there were times where i'm just gonna be like i'm just like you know what no i just want to eat what i want today well i did that and then it would just result in like a three-week meltdown of me like in my head like my my body image is all perplexed like Oh, I feel like I gained weight, like constantly body checking. Like that's because I ate that peanut butter sandwich three weeks ago, mm. you know, and that's what happens when I would like, just be like, you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna eat what I want. Mm -hmm. So I learned through trial and error, a lot of trial and error that for me, I have to go slow. I have to introduce foods to myself again, slowly. Like even like right now, like I'm at a lower body weight for this prep than usual. And I know like I've gone through this process enough where I know I have to slowly reintroduce foods again after this meat is over because I know what happens to my mind. If I, I'm just not counting, I'm just going to eat what I want. I, it's just setting myself up for failure. Like, and I don't want to go down that road again. Like I, I'm over having relapses in recovery. I'm way past that point, but it's because through lots of trial and error, I've found what works for me and what doesn't and what triggers me and what doesn't. And it's still separating those rational from irrational thoughts to know like what those triggers are, you know, so slow and steady. Yeah. What was like mentally when you started to see like a pound added to the scale or something like that, like that first time, what was, what was that like? Like, how um, did you deal with that? Cause it sounds like, I mean, you were super dialed into that scale. I was. Yeah. And that was, that is what would trigger those relapses. I would gain the weight and I would lose it. I would gain it. I'd freak out and I lose it. And eventually I'm just like, literally the only thing, right? Like I feel fine. Like I look in the mirror and I'm like, I feel great. I just step on the scale and it'd be higher. Oh, no, no, mm. we're done with that. Like, so through many years of doing that, I'm just like, man, fuck the scale. Hell yeah. <laughs> if I feel good, then why do I have to weigh myself? Like, mm -hmm. I only weigh myself now for powerlifting purposes, right. but when I'm not in meat prep, I don't take my scale out because I know it triggers me. Mm -hmm. So why should I, why should I subject myself to something that's going to make me feel like shit about myself? Mm -hmm. And as human beings, I don't know why we do that. Like we know something's going to make us feel like crap about ourselves, but it's going to give us that temporary high. So I'm going to do it. But then immediately you feel like crap. It's a cycle. And I realized that was my trigger. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that to myself anymore. Like it, weight is just a, it's just a number. Like, and that's so like cliche to say. And if you would have like told me that like 10 years ago, I'd be like, no, 
shut up. Right. <laughs> you know, like all these cliche quotes, like, but it's, I don't know, until you like go through the whole process, you realize that like, it is true. Like it is just a number. Like when you wake up in the morning, how do you feel? Like, are you happy? Like there's so many other ways to gauge health versus just a number. Mm-hmm. Like by BMI standpoint or whatever that bullshit is, like technically I'm overweight right now. Like we all are literally. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> matter. You can tell every NFL player that too. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. Like you just, everybody has their own definition of healthy and mine just looks different now. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to constantly change and constantly evolve. Like you go through different phases in your life where you have a different goal and healthy looks different to you. Like, like maybe a mom, like her healthy pre-pregnancy and her healthy post-pregnancy are two totally different things. And comparison will kill all that. Like I still get stuck in comparing myself to like how I was like, I don't really compare myself to like how I was like when I was like 80 pounds. Cause that's just a totally different life. But like even me a couple weight glasses ago, like when I was 63 kilos, 72 kilos, I'm like, Oh, you know, I was still, I was still really strong there. And I like felt better about my body, but like, comparison it's killing my joy like it's the thief of it and if you get stuck in that trap you know like you'll kill it so for sure that's uh comparing i mean social media society like that's all that we do right i mean that's that's literally the worst part i mean there's other bad parts of it but yeah i mean all it is it's so fake everybody only puts up the good stuff highlight and yep. yeah it's and then you got oh man I, I truly worry about the younger generations because that's all that's out there it's all they see oh like my you God. have to look a certain way you have to act a certain way you have to feel a certain way like yeah you have to look like this person act like that person is it's brutal i actually brutal. cleaned out my instagram the other day and i just like i unfollowed i don't know how many people i haven't done that in so long like i've had instagram like since it started and so when it started, I was still pretty like in my disordered days, like before Instagram, it was Tumblr, if you remember that. <laughs> yeah. And my whole, I actually found that the other day and it made me so sad. Like my whole page was all like girls I wanted to look like, fitspo, um, mm. these workouts, like, like even on Pinterest, they still have all that stuff. And I'm like, I literally can't even look at Pinterest anymore because it like makes me like, it brings back like a sad nostalgia. Like, you know, like I just, you gotta know like what's good to look at and what isn't good to look at. And by me cleaning on my Instagram the other day, like my feet is so much better. Like, I don't know. There's like you said, there's so many fake people on there and pictures that you probably don't think are Photoshopped. They're Photoshopped. Right. These are professionals. Like they literally make money off of this. Like you can't compare yourself to anything on the internet. And that's like, that's what really drove me harder into my eating disorder was seeing girls online, comparing myself to them, um, how girls looked in swimsuits and certain lighting. Like I paid attention to like the littlest things. And then I'd look at my body in that same light and like look at my, like, you know, oh, well, she doesn't have cellulite when she sits down, so I shouldn't either. Like, she has a boyfriend. She doesn't have cellulite on her legs. Well, maybe if I didn't have that, like, and that's, like, all those little things, I, like, kept building them and building them and building them, and then it just, it's never enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, was, it never stopped. Yeah. How, so you seem 
and like I know this, very self-aware. How did, how important, I mean, you keep talking about it, and the way you're talking, it's like, man, she like dialed in to herself now. Like, how long did that take? And you talked about like self-love, acceptance, all of that stuff. I mean, how did that just kind of come across this whole journey? Honestly, um, years. Yeah. Long time. Constant efforts. Um, doing things over and over and over and over again. Like your body thrives off of routine and it thrives off of consistency physically. Mentally, it's the same way I've learned, like drilling the same thoughts into my head over and over and over again. If you do something enough and you believe it hard enough, your body will believe it too. I mean, your body hears everything that your mind says and just doing that over and over and over again has just, I mean, it's been a hard transition, but it's just taken a long time and a lot of repetition and a lot of bad days and a lot of what I would say in the past is a failed day but like without all the bad days i wouldn't realize like what a good day is and like what making progress and recovery is like i've i also believe that me reaching a weight that i probably would have like killed myself over 10 years ago being at this weight oh my god if you would have told me like little 80 pound lauren that she was going to be 180 pounds right now I probably would have offed myself because I just could not handle that. But as I've gained weight and my body has restored some hormones and gotten back to its happy point, your mind thinks differently too. It releases different hormones. Uh, you've, you've got the happy hormones. You've got things that are going on in your body that like without you even realizing it, you think more normal. Your, your thoughts are more normal. You're not disordered everything's regulating again and without eating me like really realizing it and I think the only reason that like I'm realizing right now is because you just directly asked me as I've gained weight my thoughts have been better and it's just because my body's like happy again it's like in the homeostasis point mm-hmm. and everybody's body has a set point that it thrives at best right. and moves at best and thinks at best and this is like my set point and in the beginning I hated it I mean, shit, man, it was even like, I don't know, four months ago was so, I mean, I've even in the last, it's not like I've slow, I I have slowly gained weight, but even like in the last like two years, I've gone from 70 kilos to 84, 82. And that was really hard for me because like, I was still at a weight in the 70, 72 kilo class where I was like, still getting a period. I was still moving pretty good. You know, I was doing big things, but like there were certain other parts of my life that were still being limited. I was still limiting myself to social outings, um, snacking, freely eating. Like I was still very strict. I was getting all these things that would consider like healthy, like my period and everything. But like, like socially I was not healthy. I was still restricting myself and still not having the best thoughts and still being triggered. And now I have a much different life in the pier. Um, I have a great job. I have a great family. I have, I'm in a, a very good relationship and all those things come with social outings and experiences. And it's tapped into a deeper part of recovery that I didn't really think was there. And all has, that's all come with gaining weight. 
I've gained weight since moving here. I've gained weight since being in a relationship. I've gained weight since working here. And it's all, it's fine. It's good weight. It's healthy weight. It's my happy memories weight. It's having pizza with friends late at night weight. Like that's fine. Cause I'm still, it's my definition of healthy and my definition of healthy includes all that stuff. It includes powerlifting like a freak four days a week, but then it also like means also having cake on somebody's birthday or not saying no to dinner because it doesn't fit my macros. Like that's not healthy to me anymore. I don't want to, I've wasted so many years of my life saying no to things because it didn't fit my control or it was out of my control. Like I don't want to be like at the dinner table across from my kids one day and eating differently than my kids. I don't want to instill that in them. You know, I don't want them to think that because they, they, kids pay attention to everything. They pay attention to everything. They learn from you. And I'm, I'm not going to bring that forward, you know? So yeah. Wow. That question was like, you asked me one question that like, I love it. I'm just sitting here listening. That's all. That's all I'm doing. I can't believe we've been talking for like 47 minutes already. <laughs> You're keeping track. <laughs> I'm watching it, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's honestly, it's incredible how far you've come in really not that long a time frame. No, I like mean, it's really. I keep, things. yeah, I keep thinking back, like the time frames of things, and it is so far in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 24. That's yeah. it. You know, the things that I've like gone through and experienced in those 24 years, like, I can't believe it. Like, I feel like I always, I always gravitate towards people who are much older than me too, because people my age. lived a life like of older people. Yeah. I've been through a lot and I feel like people my age, a lot of them, all they care about is partying and Mm -hmm. drinking and staying out late. And you know what, if that floats your boat, that's fine. But like my, our energies just don't match. And you have to protect your energy and the people you surround yourself with matter. And even in the last couple of years, letting go of really, you know, relationships that weren't good for me and moving away from things that weren't good for me. And you just have to do things for yourself. Like you have to be selfish. And that's what I have been the last 10 years. I've been very selfish. My eating disorder, I was selfish, but now I'm selfish in a different way for the, for the better, you know? Yeah, you have to be. I mean, yeah. people think selfish is, I don't know, a bad term, but at the same time, how can you help other people? Yeah. When like, if you're not putting yourself first, like exactly. it's, it's okay to, like you, like you said, there's, there's different meanings behind that word, yep. but when you apply it correctly, it can be used as a very powerful and a very good thing. Mm-hmm. You have to love yourself before you can love anything else or anyone else wholeheartedly. You know, and I've learned that the hard way, but you have so much more love to give when your cup is full. You can't pour from an empty cup, mm. you know. You work at Lux Life, huh? I do. Yeah. <laughs> <We> talk about <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, uh, that's, yeah. But it's so true. It's so true. And I think what you said about, you know, ditching bad relationships, getting, surround yourself with the right people. Like, I mean, what you're doing is, it's incredible. It's, Thank you. it really is. It's honestly amazing. It, uh, 
I just think about this whole talk already, and it's, I don't even know, like, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't, like, I, I put it away a lot. Like, I tuck it away, and I, you know, because I'm like, I'm not that person anymore. Like, there will always be a part of me, though, that, that girl, like, I love her, you know? I, I do everything for her. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> yeah. um, i can't even begin to imagine i truly I, uh, truly can't i talked to saint norbert college this past monday actually um and i read it like my whole my whole presentation i i have a video and then i talk for like 20 minutes and i haven't given the presentation a long time thanks covid um so i'm just like i want to redo it I've never given it in the Fox Cities area. It's always been Plymouth, Howard's Grove, Fond du Lac. So nobody like knows me here. I want to redo it all. So I redid it all. Um, took me a long time to redo it. And it took me a long time to do it because it was like, it was like tapping into that, you know, like going back to that again. And, oh, I cried on Monday when I gave that. Like that was just, it just, it strikes a different chord when you don't talk about it for a long time because it's so a long time ago it was 10 years ago that it was that that was it's not a long time but it is a long time because i think about like just like everything i've done in 10 years and like it's so much different time. life it is it is a different life like i've god literally gave me two lives and i the reason i go and i talk to all these people is because like well what would I be, what am I doing? He gave me another life. Am I going to just waste it and not help somebody else? Like there's somebody going through the same thing that I was 10 years ago right now. What if, what if she's listening? What if he's listening? You know, then, then it was worth it to me. I would do it again if I could help one other person, you know, cause I, I know that hell and it's not, it's not a place to be, not a place to be. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, that, that's a big reason why I had wanted to get you on because it's just so powerful from where you were, how life was, to where you are now. And like, again, there's stigmas around everything and people yes. don't talk about it or they feel that they're doing something wrong and they just hate themselves for it when really it's like, it's mentally something that's going on and things can be done and there's people like yourself that are still standing here today that have been through it. And when you can relate to another person's story, I think that's incredibly powerful. And that's been something that social media, social media can be bad. Social mm -hmm. media can be terrible, but it can be helpful in a lot of ways. Yes. The last couple of years in recovery, I've followed different girls and accounts that have been very vulnerable and real and this is this is my body these are my roles these are normal things because i thought all these like i thought that having fat was bad your um your stomach cannot hang over your pants nothing can hang over like you can't have anything extra on you like i thought that was normal because i surrounded myself with that surrounded mm -hmm. myself with girls who were like that surrounded myself with and you know that and some people just don't have a lot of fat on their body. That's fine. But that wasn't what my body was supposed to be like. And I was trying to force my body to be something that it wasn't. 
So when I started following people who, and obviously nobody is perfect and nobody is exactly like another person. And it's a fine line of self-awareness and comparison of me not comparing myself to these other girls, but like, oh, they, okay, well, their stomachs aren't super flat. Maybe they have stretch marks or maybe they have cellulite, but they're happy and it's normal and it's okay. It's like that self-assurance for me. It's okay to have those things. It doesn't make me any less of a person. My boyfriend isn't going to love me less. Like the right people won't. But a lot of times, and this is something that like me and my mom thought about my whole recovery was she'd be like, Lauren, nobody cares what, you know, Nobody cares about your stomach. Nobody cares about that, those things. It's like, I know that, but it's what I think. Mm. I care. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks about me. It's what I think about myself. And that's been, that's been the other thing that's been very hard is to, I care about myself, obviously, but like to not care so much that I go to these extremes to think that I will only be happy at this point. You know, but yeah, surrounding myself with people who have similar body types or they move in similar ways or they think in similar ways has helped me so much because before all I would surround myself was with thinspo and all these girls that I wanted to look like, like you become what you surround yourself with. In regards to relationships, in regards to friends, uh, your work environment, all those things mold who you are. So what did I do for 10 years? I surrounded myself with extremities and anorexic tendencies and eating disorders and sadness and self-inflicted depression. Like that, obviously I became a product of my environment because that's all I surrounded myself with. I was, in a way, I was just not help. I was not helping myself at all. I didn't care, you know, but it was for that temporary high that I chased and it was only good for so long until those five pounds weren't enough, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy how powerful the mind is. I mean, it's, right. it's literally the main driver of everything. Like if you attach certain feelings to certain thoughts that are meaningless, like you can become obsessed with it. You can like ruminate nonstop. Like that's something, I mean, I do. And it's like, that can just dictate so much of how you live when a lot of thoughts are just fleeting. Like that's right. really all it is. They're, they're random things that pop in your brain and it's, it just moves on. So do you have any like practices that, that you do? Things like affirmations or meditations or anything to stay like mentally I mean, basically strong because it's, you are, um, did you ever? Um, I would say, I mean, obviously lifting has been like, mm-hmm. always been there for me. The, the barbell has been like the best form of any antidepressant ever. Never been on like, I've never been on any meds or anything like that. I don't believe in any of that mm-hmm. because it's just putting a bandaid over the real issue again. Mm-hmm. And like, we all know how addictive Lauren can get. So like, I'm not going to subject myself to that. And that's just something that comes with like self-awareness. There's been times where like, you know, it seems easier, you know, but I just, I'm not about any of that. Like, obviously I work at Lux Life. I'm very much so like naturalist, like 
let your body do its thing. It knows, it knows you better than anybody or any pill. Um, but powerlifting for sure. Last couple of years, I've definitely gotten more into my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that I did not have for a very long time. I would feel like, well, if God was real, then why would he make me go through mm-hmm. something like this? So I was very much so that way mm-hmm. in that religion. Um, but over the last couple of years, there's just been certain points in recovery that like made me realize there's like no way that like he's not or whatever you believe in there's something Mm -hmm. you know there's a higher power yeah and just sometimes i don't understand the reason why things happen or oh i just you know i don't know why something Mm -hmm. happens and it like frustrates me initially but then i just maybe it just comes with like maturing emotionally over time like i understand that like okay, it's happening. Like it's happening for a reason. Maybe I don't see the reason right now, but like someday I will. Mm-hmm. It's a control. It was letting go of the control, control, letting go of control in my faith. Like I still like to control all these things, but like there's just some things you can't control. Right. And me realizing that and just, even though I don't like it, like making peace with that has helped me a lot. Like just mm-hmm. letting go and just chilling out, man. Like, seriously, just, I don't have to be doing 50,000 things a day or controlling every aspect of my life. Like spontaneous activities are really hard for me to do sometimes, but just letting go a little bit, like letting go of everything that's helped me in recovery. That's helped me lifting. That's helped me in everything, like Mm -hmm. the control aspect of it, because that's what drove it for so long, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's got to be difficult. I mean, again, I can't imagine when it's got such a grip on a life like that. Yeah. Just brutal. Yeah. It's just, it's saying that that's the drug is the control Mm -hmm. because it controls how you feel about yourself. It controls your day. It sets the tone for the day. Like it gives you, if you don't have control, your anxiety is super high and I mean, even still today, like if a random situation pops up or somebody wants to randomly go out to eat, like I'd be lying to you if I said it didn't give me anxiety. Spontaneous things still give me anxiety. But like, I don't want to look back one day and be like, man, wish I would have went out to dinner because I don't want to have any regrets. And letting go of the control has helped me with that because life I've learned life is too damn short. You have to, you have to learn to say yes, but also learn to say no. Like that doesn't mean like, oh, well, what if I die tomorrow? Well, I should eat a whole pizza today. Like, no, like, you know, you have to, I don't know. Boundaries. You have to, yeah, yeah, boundaries. Exactly. You have to enjoy everything in moderation and learn balance. And that's like the hardest thing to learn ever. Like that's been, balance is so, balance is hard. For a lot of people, not even people just like who struggle with eating issues. Like, you know, anybody can struggle with balance, work life balance, parent life balance, exercise balance, food balance. Like, it's, like, it's that empty cup thing, you know, it has to like maintain a certain level. Yeah. And that's been hard for me to learn. But like, once you learn that, then you could take that really far, you know? to freaking cops next weekend 
It is. I know. <laughs> I know. That's how far you can freaking go. Yeah. The first thing I'm doing, though, after that meet is I'm having a pizza. Nice. But one thing that I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That is so cool. And you compete Thursday? Saturday morning. Saturday. So okay. we'll leave um, Thursday morning early um, so we can get there by 4 o'clock because it starts right away. Check-ins right away. Got to get all everything checked in. Um, and I do equipped powerlifting. So there's a raw side of powerlifting and there's an equipped side of powerlifting. I started raw. And, I mean, you pretty much have to start raw because it's not just like you throw this gear on and you know how to magically squat 500 pounds. Like, <laughs> This gear is extremely intense. It, you have to be proficient, extremely proficient in your technique in order to use the gear and use it correctly. And it takes a whole, and I think because of everything that I've been through, like it takes a whole different type of mental grit in order to wear that gear and work it to its absolute best. Um, so I started raw and then um, in 2018 at Raw Nationals, my current coach, Zach Cooper, came up to me and he's just like, he wasn't my coach at the time. He's like, hey, uh, who's your coach? And I'm like, um, so-and-so. And he turned around and I saw he was wearing like a Team USA jacket. And he's like, all right, I'll hold my sponsorship off to a later date. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh God. And then didn't work out with that other coach. And then a couple months later, I messaged him and I'm like, hey, uh, is that sponsorship spot still open? Nice. And so. I've been with him for three years, but he is um, the equipped junior head coach. So he's always like wanted to get me in the gear, wanted to get me in the gear. And gear is hard because that's not something, I mean, you can definitely, I guess you could learn over the internet, but it's, you need an army of people mm -hmm. to help you in gear. For sure. And that's a huge reason as to why I moved to Green Bay is because I knew that it was easier for me to access up here. Um, so I've been lifting in gear since two, mm, for two years, probably that's it. I did my first geared meet last December and then I did, um, uh, junior nationals in April of last year. And then I did a meet at CrossFit 920 in October. Um, a lot of things happened between the IPF, which is like, if there's like a government of powerlifting, IPF is like the government. And government, IPF, and the USAPL league, they, like, split. So when I placed first at nationals, like, I'm like, oh, we're going to Worlds. Like, we're, going, we're doing all these cool things. And then it all happened, and I didn't get to go. And so a lot of things were left uncertain. But I was, like, halfway through a prep. So I'm like, well, let's just do a meet locally. You know, I'm not going to waste it. So I did that. And then um, now we're at the Arnold. So... I honestly, like probably like three years ago, I would have never, ever wanted to be in gear. It looks, I mean, it is terrible. It sucks. It hurts. It's, but it's awesome. It's a different type of adrenaline to, I mean, you're essentially squatting 200 more pounds than you would raw. You're pulling massive numbers. You're benching massive numbers. And again, it's not just like you can put all the stuff on and you like magically know right. how to do it. Like, right. It's very technique based and there's a certain pain tolerance you have to have because the gear is not fun. Like I walk around, I look like I've got beat up all the time. I've got bruises, my neck's all broken and broken, broken blood vessels and they're in my eyes. And 
some people look at it and be like, why in the fuck are you doing that? Yeah, right. like, literally, like, I get asked that all the time. Why yeah. would you do something like that? That looks terrible. And it's it's the after. Like, it's a, it's a different type of competition. It's a different type of level. It's I've learned a lot. And my technique in all of my three lifts drastically improve in a equipped prep versus a raw prep. Like, in gear and in the squat, you have to learn to sit back, use your hips, hip hinge, keep your chest up, explode out of the hole and all of those things. Like you, I put on so much muscle after a prep of gear versus like a raw prep. I mean, it's like blood flow restricted training right. four times a week, yeah. you know, it literally is. And I, I mean, my raw max has probably gone up like 150 pounds since putting just on gear, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So I don't know. I've, I've got some numbers in mind for next weekend. Anything can happen obviously, but mm-hmm. I have three really big numbers that I would love to hit maybe an American record. Hell yeah. That, that would be amazing, but we'll see anything. Just do it. Yeah. Anything <laughs> can happen. And we always like, as humans too, we're always like, we always like think the worst is going to happen right away. And that's been another thing like, well, no, what if like the best outcome happens? Like, why do we always assume the worst outcome is going to happen? Maybe like you're going to have the best freaking meat of your life. Maybe you're not going to bomb out. Like stop. Like, like you're doubting yourself all the time. Like you're just, I self inflict all the time. And as humans, we naturally do that too. We just like, I don't know. We always doubt ourselves and we just never give ourselves any credit or grace. And like your own, your own, your own best friend, you know, you're all you got in the end. So you might as well like yourself and do stuff for yourself, you know, because at the end of the day, you're all you got, you know. Facts. Yeah. I got nothing to say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just go off, Lauren. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having it's me. I love to share it. Amazing. Like, I know. It's powerful. It feels good, it feels good to talk about it because yeah. I hid it for so long and I led that double life for so long and I wanted to talk and scream for so long. I was so quiet. And even like <laughs> Dr. Sadie and Dr. Mally, if you're listening, you can even attest to this. Like, even when I first started here, struggled with a lot of social anxiety but i knew that moving here and working a job like this and engulfing in powerlifting as much as i have been it would bring me out of my shell so much because i lived in the shell for so long like and it just shout out to those girls because it's taken some time and they've given me lots of grace but it is a process and trusting yourself to open up to other people and open up to myself and just opening up in general. Like it's hard, you know, when you've been in trauma mode for so long, like I carry a lot of that PTSD from those 10 years of being silenced. And it's just taken a long time for me to open up and to trust myself again, but it feels really good to, talk about it and know that people care about what I have to say and want to hear my story. And it's a, it's, it's just good feeling, you know, because I felt very small and minuscule for most of my life. 
and I strived to be small and fragile and like, no, no. Like I want to, I always strive to be the smallest person in the room, the most fragile person. Like, like, I don't know why that was like such an attractive lifestyle for me, but like now I just want more and more and more and more and more. Like I, now I thrive off of that. And it's just funny to see like how your mind can go from one spectrum to the complete opposite in 10 years. Like it takes time and it takes hard work and it takes tears and it takes work that you don't want to do, but that's like where the growth happens. It doesn't happen like when you're comfortable and like you're just chilling. Like it happens when you're in the dirt. That's like when all the good stuff happens and you don't really realize it till after you know so, for sure yeah you know if people hear this and they wanted to get in contact with you cool with that yes like how can they um how are you gonna post this is this like a like a link or yeah um, like and we can just like tag and put in whatever yeah um so i'll give trevor my phone number um i'll give you my email I'll give you um, my Instagram handle. I usually am on Instagram a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably like another good way to reach me. So I'll, I'll include all of that. Like I'll text it to you or whatever. And you can put it below um, Facebook too. Honestly, whatever. Like I'm a millennial. I'm on everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I'll be sure to put that in um, all the posts and stuff so that whoever's listening, if they want to reach out, they definitely can. Yes, please. Please. Awesome. And then I'll also give you the if anyone is listening and wants to watch me lift next Saturday. Yes. Um, I have the they'll be posting it. I have the link for the website that it'll be on. Um I don't know like all the details yet. Like I don't know what platform I'll be on. All I know is I start lifting at uh eleven o'clock, but Ohio is our ahead of us. So it'll be a different time here. But um yeah. Yes, so this will be posted. Too. So watch it. Yes. <laughs> Watch it. You're loud. <laughs> it's going to be uh, awesome. Yeah, very excited. But thank awesome. you so much for letting me come on here and ramble for Thank you. Ever. Like, <laughs> anytime. Was really this is awesome. Anytime. You are more than welcome. Like, truly, thank you for sharing all that. It's You're super welcome. powerful. It's You're like, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. We will uh, talk to you next time. If you would like more information about us at Movement Performance and Rehab or information on one of our guests, or if you have a contact that would be a good guest for this podcast, please send us an email at info at mvmtgb.com. That's info at movementgb.com.